As we know, there are two EIPs added recently to the Denab upgrade, that is the CL side of the Dencon upgrade. While the specs are simple to implement by client teams, it proposes significant changes to staking processes. So if you are a current Ethereum validator or planning to be one, continue listening. Welcome to PPENEAT episode 119. I'm Pooja Ranjan with another Dencon upgrade EIP to be explained by a very special guest. Documented on 7th September 2023, which is less than a month, EIP 7514 Max Epoch Churn Limit is a standard track core EIP, currently in review status and is co-authored by Dark Lion and Tim Bako. According to the proposal, EIP 7514 proposes to update the maximum validator growth rate from an exponential to a linear increase by capping the epoch churn limit. Now, what is churn limit? What changes will this proposal introduce? To get to learn more about the proposed changes, we are joined by the author of the proposal, Dap Lion. Welcome, Dap Lion. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. As some of you may know, Daplan was with us a few weeks ago to talk about EIP 7044, which is perpetually valid signed voluntary exits. Another proposal up for Dencon upgrade. If you missed the talk, check out episode 113 on PPENI at Herders YouTube and podcast. May I request Daplan to briefly introduce himself for our new listeners, and then we can get into the presentation, followed by Q&A. For sure. Welcome, everyone. I'm your friendly lion in the Ethereum community space. I was fortunate enough to discover this amazing community in uh, late 2017 during that crazy bull market. I happened to meet Griff Green in a random scaling event that they were doing in Barcelona. And I was a complete stranger to the technology and everything they were doing, but he was kind enough to take me under his belt and we grew together under the download project i just happened to meet them when it was starting so i lead that project it was an amazing ride and from there i think at 2019 like the beacon chain was starting to take shape and the prison folks were doing some test nets so from there on i discovered this amazing space of consensus research and development and joined lodestar and from there, it has been a crazy journey. I'm now trying to contribute more on the research part. So this is why I'm doing these sort of proposals. But yeah, lots of work to do. We have a long roadmap ahead and it's pretty exciting, but lots of responsibility to do. Amazing. That's wonderful. I know Griffith Green is an awesome person. He has been a great admirer of uh, Ethereum cat herders. He has like shared quite a few kind words for us. So yeah, it's nice to be knowing people that are helping newcomers in the space around. All right. I know there is a presentation for this uh, conversation today for this EIP. So without further ado, let's peep in. For sure. So I'm going to talk today about EIP 7514 at max epoch turn limit. So let me start with motivating why we are doing this in the first place. So the beacon chain has been widely successful by the metric of total stake. I think from informal conversations with different researchers and people working on the space, 
this success is unexpected. People expected the Bitcoin chain to achieve maybe 10%, 30% total ETH stake on a very long time frame. And even there were even doubts at the, the genesis that it will even work at all. So this success is both great news. It also happened at a pace that it wasn't expected. So some challenges come with it. One of the problems that this chain, this growth has is that it's exponential. So it looked very cute a year ago, and now it's looking probably faster than we are comfortable with. So I'm going to talk now about some of the challenges that the beacon chain reaches some levels can go to and uh, why we are basically buying time with this proposal to properly understand these risks and mitigate them if it's necessary. Just here I'm putting this tweet that I did on the summer, basically explaining everyone, hey, these are the mechanics. This is what can happen. It's not, it will probably will not happen like this. This is the absolutely worst case where the demand remains at 100% for an entire year, which is unrealistic. But it's important to know that this is something that could happen. So we have to prepare against that. So what happens if the Bitcoin chain grows too big? So the most immediate and known issue are the technical ones. Basically, every resource on all dimensions, so disk, memory, CPU, and bandwidth, grow either linearly, could grow linearly or super linearly with validator state size. So clients have evolved a lot since the early days. Like It will be unthinkable for the Prism, Lighthouse, Teco, Genesis to handle a network of the size of today, and they can do that today gracefully. And that is thanks to an immense engineering job that has gone into the clients to deal with all of the crazy complexities that happen at these validator sets. So if the chain goes above, say, 1 million, 2 million, we can handle that, but devs need time to figure out ways to do that. And the higher we go, the, the harder it gets. So to test for the upcoming Holesky DevNet, which is going to be pretty big, Party and the DevOps team did this big boy testnet. And the first one was for 2 million and everything just exploded in a very bad way. So clients today are 100% not ready whatsoever for that sort of, of size. Speaking with the clients, the type of changes that they would have to do to accommodate these designs are very fundamental. So we are talking maybe like one, two, three year time span. This is something in the line towards Gef did on its day to switch to SnapSync, which have massively increased the performance of the client, but it's an effort that took two years or something crazy like that. And other clients like Nethermine are, are still catching up and it will take maybe them, I think that they've been working on this for more than a year and it's still half a year away, uh, but probably. So yeah, technical challenges, really hard, doable, but they need time. So it's a scary thought, the fact that if demand remains very high, basically the chain could kill itself due to its own success. So by slowing it down, like we know that we will have the time, like we have done the math, I will explain this later. And hopefully this rate of, of growth allows us to, to develop these potential fixes in a matter of time. The... Other set of challenges, which are, these are the unknown unknowns, but extremely high risk are the economic ones. So this is the counterpoint of this proposal and why this basically, this proposal was so controversial and uh, some people were against it and then maybe for it. 
It's because with many of the other proposals that we do, we have a very clear reasoning of why we need something and then we do it. We just want to mitigate many unknown unknowns. So the beacon chain was designed again way back, like 2018, 2019, with specific framework of mind of how the world looked at that time. There were many things like MEV, liquid staking derivatives or restaking that were not even in the mind of researchers. So now that all of this has come as well, the landscape of how Ethereum can be secure have changed dramatically. So the feeling that it is not well understood if the chain going to 50% ETH stake or 80% ETH stake is a stable situation that may not trigger some crazy consequence or something. It's not well understood. So there is an urge to try to slow it down a little bit so that at least by the next fork, say in a year for Electra or something like this, we can implement other solutions that are more long-term. If this proves to be a problem, maybe the current situation is okay and there, are, there is no problem with ETH reaching this very high level of take levels. But the fact that we don't know and that the consequences of getting this wrong are extremely catastrophic, I think it's what basically motivated the community to go for this change. Like we will see later that if we do nothing and the demand remains very high, by the time we do the next fork, we can cross some milestones. And another way to think about this is that if we cross some thresholds, say 50% ETH stake, we could enter in, in some economic situation where this is basically a, tip, a tipping point of no return. At that point, for example, the incentives for staking could change dramatically and then we could have even more people staking and get to a point where if this high level of ETH stake remain, like proves to be a problem and doing it would be impossible because basically the, the entire Ethereum ecosystem would depend on it. So these are the type of long, far, but very scary unknown risks that there is an interest to mitigate and why it's one of the motivating factors for this proposal. Mm -hmm. There is also great literature. Dankar did a great post about it and explains it way better than I. So check his Twitter and let's get to the specification. So the main goal of this EIP is, oh no, the beacon chain is growing way too fast. Let's do something about it. The minimum viable change that we can do is just limit the churn by some max. So what is the churn? Well, the Ethereum beacon chain is, an, is a dynamic system. Validators can enter and validators can exit. Because of security parameters and sane defaults, we don't want the validator set to change too quickly. So there are queues that affect the activation and the exit. And the churn is defined just as how many of these validators can join per unit of time. So what we are going to do with this AP is just this churn here, just limited. How it works today is with this formula. So the number of validators that can enter per unit of time, epoch to be more precise, is just a factor of the current validator set. That's why we get this exponential, because the more validators we have, the more can enter per unit of time and exponential, there we go. What this EIP introduces is just wrapping this function in a max. So if we are above this new parameter, the max churn, then that's the value that will apply. So as a constant value of validators per epoch, that's why we get now a linear behavior. Otherwise, under this value, the same behavior applies. 
So we have the exponential. And also important to know that this only applies to activation. The exits are governed by the same function as usual. So the next contention point is, okay, what number? So we can limit the growth by a little bit or by a lot. So this plot basically shows the extrapolation of the validator set if there is max growth, very important caveat, which may not happen in, in reality, but this is the basically the worst case that we are guarding against. And you can see that for the top line, the red one, you have this nice exponential, so we go pretty high. If we set the value of eight, which is what we're going for, the chain can still grow by a lot, but at a reduced rate, such that we will reach maybe 1.4 million by the next year instead of two point something. In the stable, we can see it more clearly, which another unknown is we don't know when Deneb is going to activate. So the later this update happens, the later we restrict this growth. So one of the factors that we will talk about now was time and realizing how slow updates happen in Ethereum is an important caveat to keep in mind with this type of very time-sensitive updates. The later you wait, the more these things will, will get worsened. So if you agree on the set of unknown unknowns that we talked before, that we want to slow them down a bit, then you really want to enable this feature on the NEP, which is going to hopefully happen by December, January. And you can see here that when you go for the very high ends of 75, 100%, like the time that we gain is significant. So one of the criticisms for this EIP was that it's probably not going to be necessary, which is true. And I would be very happy if that ha happens to be the case, because then we are not messing with the protocol in these ways. But we don't know what's going to happen. Like the cryptocurrency markets are extremely young and volatile. Maybe restaking becomes extremely popular and everyone just yolos into it. Or we have a bull market in a few months or there is some unknown catalyst that could rewrite demand. And then we are back into the same debate. The problem is that we only have the Denkun window, which is now, and either we take it or we don't. So basically the risks around this EIP are that if demand dries up, basically this EIP is completely useless and nothing happened. But if demand picks up, then we have this insurance that we will not hit these very high levels that are concerning. So yeah, at the end, this EAP is basically just, we are buying insurance to ourselves to make sure that a potential mathematical worst case that could happen doesn't happen. So to plot a bit the IP timeline, and it was not that much about the IP, but the Tenkun, if you want to have this fork happening by December, as we were talking about everyone, or even people want to have it for DevConnect, which would be amazing, but it's very optimistic. Let's say December, you need like a month for people to update the nodes, and that's when you need releases. Then you need at least two months to do final testing and fork, go early, Holesky, and these ones. So basically, we need to freeze the spec by September. And that's basically when this EIP went on, hey, either we do it now or we don't, because of this timeline. So this EIP was brought up for the first time in July, but client apps are busy with basically shipping this fork, <laughs> which is the priority. So that's why there wasn't that, that many like mental cycles devoted to it. So to sum it up, the EIP status now is in review, but I think it should be moved to final because it's already scheduled for inclusion. There are implementations, at least in Lighthouse and Lodestar, 
it's going to be scheduled to be tested. So I actually, I asked Patty today about what's going to happen with the testing of this. And he said that it's not going to be tested on DevNet 9 because it's still a bit unstable. But for the next one, definitely yes. The thing is that to test this EAP, you need a very high validator set size. Or you have to change the parameters to something that's different to mainnet to trigger the behavior. So I think what we will do is for DevNet 10, change the parameter so that it triggers for a smaller DevNet, and then have one dedicated DevNet only for this purpose, that we will have a massive validator state size with the actual parameters, see that it works well, and then just kill it. Because like maintaining a, net, a network of this huge size is very expensive. <laughs> so yeah, we'll probably do it for, only for this purpose. So with the status, that's all. Thank you so much for your attention and looking forward to your questions. Appreciate sharing this presentation, uh, Lion. Indeed, this is one of the fastest moving proposals, uh, short but uh, significant proposal for Dencon upgrade. As you were mentioning, like to mitigate known unknowns. So overall, it looks nice to me. It's better to have insurance than being sorry at the end of the day. I have a few things uh, while we were talking about EIP status in the presentation, it mentions that uh, the proposal is stable. It is also implemented in the client. Just to let you know, uh, it may not be moved towards final until it is on the mainnet. So the process is, it is in the most appropriate status, which is review. Okay. So when we move any proposal to, not any proposal, when we move this set of proposals for an upgrade to a public testnet, then it goes to last call is generally for 14 days for any other EIP. But because we are going for two, three public test nets, it could be longer than that. But the day when it is deployed on the mainnet, it moves to the final status. So is, isn't there an, a status where it says this thing, everyone agrees that should be implemented, please implement it? It was earlier, but right now what we are trying to do here is we are having this listed as a, a part of a spec list of uh, upgrade. For example, this proposal, okay. I believe, is more uh, into consensus layer, right? So yeah. where we are listing all the proposals for consensus, it should be listed there. I reached out to Shaiwe to have it shown on the GitHub repository, but she mentioned that uh, we are planning to have all the nine proposals which are there, including execution layer and consensus layer to be listed at one place. So hopefully that would be there. But as you may know, this is definitely being accepted. Earlier CFI was there, like consider for inclusion, and that included two steps. One was like proposed and one accepted. So this is into the accepted phase right now. Okay. Very well, I'm also looking forward for this proposal uh, because this sounds interesting. Let me start with the first question, which is about the activation date table. In the presentation, you shared uh, the projection that we are expecting of the growth. And uh, if I remember correctly, it was proposed that the value here would be eight or less. So are we going to enter a static value of eight or we are still in a position where we are considering the other option of having it less? And number two of this question is like, is it just to delay till the Electra upgrade, the next upgrade, or is there any other specific reason behind that? So I think a value less than eight would be way too aggressive. Even I think eight is considered a bit aggressive because you can see here on the chart where before 
the month of December, that's what happened, like that's the, the turn value that we have now with the current rules. And if we go for the value of eight, you see a non-negligible drop in the turn. So this will alter the mechanics of how many people can join the chain in a non-negligible way. So going for a value even lower, it would be more significant. I have not heard anyone going for a value lower than eight. So <laughs> not sure about that. And would you mind reminding the second question? So my second question was, this is a mitigation plan till the next upgrade. Maybe mm -hmm. we can come up with some new proposal to handle it in a better way. Yes, definitely. I think everyone agrees that this is a band-aid. And if possible, this should be removed at some point because it messes with the protocol mechanics in a way that's not natural. There are potential fixes long-term, but it, it depends a lot on what's the current economical thoughts of where the Bitcoin chain should be. So if there is agreement that the chain is way too big due to the fact that the incentives are too high, then something like adjusting rewards down would be a long-term solution to disincentivize growth into a level that makes sense. If the challenges of economic, like the, these economical unknown risks happen to be not a problem, and then we only care about the technical ones, something like max effective balance, so allowing big stakers to consolidate into lower indexes would be sufficient to alleviate the risks. So yes, this is a band-aid and we will work on final solutions. And when those are here, hopefully we can remove this one. That's good to know. Uh, while talking about this being a band-aid, in the discussion tool section, I came across a pull request called 7251, which is to increase the max effective balance. FEM user, I suppose his name is PN, shared this link about uh, this proposal. According to him, if we want to reduce strain on Beacon Chain, uh, just implement the max effective stake increase from 32F to 4096F. I wonder what are your thoughts on this proposal? Do you think that uh, this proposal, if become an EIP, will able to contribute to resolving the problem in a better way than the EIP 7514? Yes, definitely. I'm also participating in the Max CV proposal. And uh, that one would most likely alleviate the technical concerns in a very significant way. So for the these ones, solved perfectly. Not these ones. Got it. So talking about this economical risk, I remember in the research um, document of paths toward the single slot finality, Vitalik Buterin talked about these uh, two potential ways to move forward, like super committees and validators at size capping. Further in the doc, there is a mention of the potential attack issue. Do you have thoughts on the change of existing guarantees with the introduction of EIP 7514? I mean, is there any risk of capping validators at size here? Yeah, so capping validators for the purpose of single slot finality, I think it's a very extreme, I mean, not extreme, but an undesirable solution that would probably only be pursued if it's truly necessary. At the end, really, those concerns are not really economical, are mostly technical. Because in order to do single slot finality, we need to aggregate all the signatures from basically everyone that are participating for finality in a single slot. So what we do now in a whole epoch, we have to somehow compress that into a single slot. So basically increasing the load of everyone by a factor of 32, which is insane. This is not possible. So something has to happen. Either consolidation 
we have some crazy breakthrough in cryptography that allows us to do aggregation much faster, or we just have less people voting, which is what um, Vitalik was proposing. And we can either do that by capping or rotation or incentivizing everyone to live and just have a smaller validator set. But all of these are to address the problem of we need to aggregate everyone's message in a short period of time. Great. It's always interesting to see how far developers are planning to make the chain secure and have it in the best optimized way there. Well, let's talk about uh, a little bit on the impact size on various users and stakeholders. Mm -hmm. Is there any uh, specific user group being affected with this proposal? So theoretically, this proposal penalizes new joiners. So if the queue remains very high, so if demand remains the same, in theory, the queue should grow even larger. We, we should have longer wait times. And for example, if you are a new liquid staking protocol, now most of your capital will be tight on the queue, making 0% APY. So your APY on your LST holders that you can offer would be much lower than the existing incumbents, where they have the majority of their capital already active, making yield. So for this type of player, that would be problematic. So there is a fairness argument that if demand remains high, this proposal penalizes new actors. The counterpoint here is that if remain, if demand stays high, then we can go into these really nasty unknown unknowns. So if we cause this fairness problem, at the same time, we will be saving ourselves from these unknown unknowns. So if the money is high, the pawn would be contracted by the pro. And if the money is low, then there is no problem, no fairness argument. This proposal has no effect whatsoever and doesn't affect any staker at all. Very well. I'm just wondering, now that you have mentioned about liquid staking pool, if a user want to move from one service provider to another service provider, do we see any impact on such user? Yes. So it's the exact same problem. So if demand stays high, and because of this proposal, the queue is longer, this would penalize rotation into newer staking protocols. That makes sense. All right. Uh, my next question is with respect to testing. I know uh, that we are with DevNet 9. As you mentioned, that uh, this proposal is not a part of DevNet 9. Perhaps it could be of DevNet 10. I'm just wondering, are we aware of any Hive testing available for this one? I would say no. So I'm not huge into Hive testing. Take my word as a grain of salt. Here, the ETH Panda Ops are the, the, the wizards. But I think usually Hive is more geared towards testing things in execution land. And because this change is so simple and only affects consensus, I would say that a consensus spec test, which already exists, is sufficient to prove that it works. That make a lot of sense here. Right. So if I understand correct, because this could be tested with higher validator set, whenever we are ready with like Halski to be tested for Tenkun upgrade, I'm assuming that this would be a very good EIP to be tested on that testnet. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, any testnet that has eight times the quotient, which I think it's 64,000, is good to test. So... Definitely Holesky. <laughs> right. We hope that it would work out because 1.4 million is also not a small quite thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's quite good to have. Okay. 
I think I'm done with most of the questions that I had for this proposal. I would like to have a few words about PEEP and EAT series. If you have any thought on this series and how do you think that this series may help share information and education to the rest of the community? Yes, I think the series is fantastic. I mean, I'm speaking for myself and as an Ethereum developer, I watch most of them. It's great to catch up and for some of the features that I actually have to implement, the best available information is here. So yeah, I would say just keep it up and I'm looking forward to any IP that I write, share it here and having this space to go in depth and just tell the whole story. Thank you so much for your kind words. The goal of the series is to talk about EIPs, which I believe is one of the most important aspects of Ethereum blockchain. However, it is more technical, so people do not get to know more uh, resources and resources which are available are highly technical. So this forum, the video or the audio form of it will definitely help normal user to understand what we are putting on the main net here. All right, it's time to wrap up. Daplan, do you have any message for the staking pool or a solo Ethereum validators or Ethereum validators community in general? Yes, I would understand that this proposal has been controversial, but I would say the entire Ethereum community is working really hard to make sure that Ethereum remains as centralized as possible, which is a crazy challenge. I think the challenges that LSTs pose and the challenge of keeping solo staking a viable way where a sufficiently share, sufficiently big percentage of stakers take this option is a very hard problem, but a lot of very bright and motivated people are working on it. So stay tuned. Indeed. There's a lot to come in upcoming days, month and year from Ethereum developers community. So stay tuned. Daplion, we thank you for joining us on Peep and Eep and talking about Consensus Layer Proposal 7514. We look forward to following testing results on Devnet 10 and public testnets. All the best with both EIP 7044 and EIP 7514 for Dencon upgrade. We look forward to have you again with another interesting proposal for the next upgrade. For sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. On this note, thanks to all our YouTube viewers for watching and podcast subscriber for listening to this 10 special episode on Ethereum Catherdis channel. Should you have any question on this or any other topic, let us know at Catherdis Discord. Check out the description for more info. We'll be back with another interesting talk. Until next time, keep watching, keep listening, and keep sharing your love with Ethereum Catherdis. Cheers.